Howdy dowdy, Shadowites. Wait, John, do they even call themselves that? Mm, I don't know, Kirk, but they should. John, the commercial. Right. How many more times are you going to invest $5 in heated bean juice only to fizzle out faster than your New Year's resolution? Trust us, we've been there. During our days running 24-hour operations, the struggle was real. That's why, as veterans, we decided to create the game changer that we wish we had. Sisu Stamina Energy Chews. Designed with precision. And science. Sisu Stamina is your take-anywhere, do-anything fuel that provides immediate, smooth energy, razor focus, and compounding health benefits, all for about a buck a serving. Head over to ULAUniverse.com. Use Shadows 10 at checkout to save site-wide so you can conquer your shadows today and forge a brighter tomorrow. You know, most people go through life aiming at nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. And they find themselves just feeling stuck in a rut, wondering if this is all there is. And I'm here to tell you, no, it is not. And life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. So check out beyondtherut.com and listen to episodes of other people who are also feeling stuck in a rut, asking themselves the same questions you are around their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, and just their outlook on future possibility. And there, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired to make your own path and live life beyond the rut so again go check out beyondtherut.com where you can find blog posts and podcast episodes as well as some tools to help you design the targets you wish to hit in life in those five f's faith family fitness finances and future possibility because again life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut now go check it out beyond the rut this is Joe Bogdan from Llama Leadership, and you're listening to the Shadows Podcast. All right, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Shadows Podcast. This is actually our first episode being recorded from our new home in California. All the other episodes have been in Alabama. This is the first one that we're doing as we get set up here. Uh, I am so thankful that uh, my guest here today is able to uh coordinate everything, work with us. I'm in government lodging, government Wi-Fi. We're going to make this work. I'm very excited. Christy Wright is joining us today. She is the host of Get Your Hopes Up podcast, number one best-selling author, books such as Business Boutique, uh, Take Back Your Time. I mean, if you walk through a Barnes and Noble or a bookstore, you can pretty much find her book sitting right there. Uh, Speaker, business coach, uh, conducts workshops on topics related to entrepreneurship, business strategies, and personal growth. Welcome to the Shadows Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. I'm very excited too. Uh, and first thing I'm going to put you through is a couple of little rapid fire questions that I'm we ready. do here for our guests. I like it. First one, outside of your books, what is a book recommendation that you have for our listeners? Discerning the voice of God is something that I love if you're a person of faith and you want mm-hmm. to learn to hear God's leading. Um, in terms of business books or speaking books, I know you train speakers as well. Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo is one of my favorites. Really good. Good one. Very good one. Well, yeah, I can't wait to get into the public speaking piece with you. Yeah. All right. So uh, next one, guilty pleasure you have. Oh, I'm I don't I'm just a sucker for sweets. Like it's it's a sweets. real problem. Yeah. And my mom had a bakery, so it's like cakes, cookies. I mean, it's like I I love sweets like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I like if I ever do like a fast or try to give them up, like it's so much harder than you think. <laughs> oh yeah. It's easier said than done when it comes to sweets. Yeah. yeah. All right. What 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 is that one song in your playlist that you find yourself jamming out to that if you knew others around you uh heard that, you'd probably turn it down a little bit. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm embarrassed about, but I will say, let me just tell you what I put on last night and I put on every night when I'm doing the dishes. Okay. Destiny's Child. I just, really? 90s rap will get me going for the nighttime routine with three little kids. It's like, I need something to pump me up because let's be honest, it's like by that time, I'm just ready to crawl in bed. So I'll blast some 90s rap. Yeah. To get me now, pumped now up. Now, is it like the, the uncensored 90s rap or like FM radio? Yeah, uncensored, rap. uncensored. But like, I, I'll be honest. Now that I'm getting a little older, it's like I'm like, oh, yikes! Oh, some of those words, <laughs> like they got, they got to hit me different. Where when I was 19, I thought it was awesome. So yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm just getting a little older. <laughs> I always like listening to like 90s rap and hip hop on like the radio, and you yeah. you don't know the lyrics when you listen to it there. Yeah. So this one comes from my daughter. She recently, uh, I'll say this here on the podcast. Super proud. She got baptized about three weeks ago. Amazing. Amazing. Yep. 
Yep. Really big moment for her. So yeah. she wanted to know when you are struggling, what is your go-to scripture? Mm. First Thessalonians 5, 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And what I love about that verse, it's at the beginning of business boutique. What I love about that verse is the subject of the sentence is God. He calls you, he is faithful. He will do it in the pressures off of us. And so he will take care of us. He will provide. It's like the whole story of the Bible is God is the subject. It is from him for him unto him. And it's just, I think sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves of like, what if I can't, I can't, I ain't. it's like, no, 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 it's on him. Like a great example is when I left Ramsey, people were like, mm-hmm. aren't you scared? And, and aren't your, your paycheck and your insurance? And like, I mean, people were just like, you know, and I was like, it's God's idea. He'll figure it out. It's God's, it's on him. It's almost like you blame him. It's like, he calls you, he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He will do it. And so I just love that reminder that it's all about him. Yeah. I recently had an episode where someone said we're in the uh, arena of, of God's playing field and he's the greatest head coach to ever do it. He calls the plays. We just execute uh, and the rest will take care of itself. And dinner for three, final question, dinner for three, three historical figures who are no longer with us. Who would you break bread with? Oh, oh. I don't, gosh, uh, Oswald Chambers, for sure. I love his writing. Um, My Angelou. And I don't know. I feel like I would want to pick like a, like a movie star that, mm. you know, like Patrick Swayze or somebody that's like just an awesome he's, movie star. He's actually been invited to a couple of these. So. Oh, really? Yeah. A couple of people would pick Patrick Swayze. So. D- Dirty Dancing but- was like one of my favorite movies growing up, you know? I was going to ask you, what's the go-to Patrick Swayze movie? Dirty mm-hmm. Dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you have survived our rapid fire questions. And now <laughs> that's the tough part. Now the easy part. We're going to be talking about you. Uh, tell our listeners out there, first of all, where are you located at right now? Nashville, Tennessee is where I'm from. Okay. But I was actually just in Memphis uh, yeah. last week. So yeah. that was our first time there. Uh, so talk to us about uh, your aspirations growing up. Like what did your parents do? What were some of the things you wanted to do as a kid? What was childhood like for Christy? You know, both of my parents were entrepreneurs and they were, I never knew them together. They split when I was six months old. And so I, I really, I grew up with mom and dad was not dad. I saw dad sometimes when I was younger. I didn't, he was not in my life from the time that I was eight until I was 14. So I'm super close with my mom. And so her story of starting a cake shop to raise and support me, like is such a backstory to why I love helping women in business and helping people in leadership in general. Um, but I reconnected with my dad in my teens and we have a great relationship now, but they're both very entrepreneurial. So that shaped me. They're both very creative. They're both, both very scrappy. They're problem solvers. They're like fighters, they're movers, shakers. And so I'm just such a product of that. Um, and so I think that's in my DNA of just being really creative and being a problem solver and being very, you know, just a, just persistent, like really, really persistent. Um, and I think that served me well in life, you know, because you just, when other people give up, I just, I just freaking keep going, you know? Um, So that was, um, and I was an only child, so it was just me and mom, you know, we were super close. Um, but now, you know, it's just been so interesting. I I was just on a podcast this morning and I was talking about how Sheryl Sandberg and her book lean in said, um, most career paths are not a corporate ladder, but more like a jungle gym. And I think mine has been like that because I very much seize opportunity. And so it's not just like, okay, what's this promotion? What's this promotion? What's this next step? I'm just going, okay, what is the, um, is there a problem I can solve? Is there something I'm good at? You know, so I went from being, you know, I thought I was going to work in an advertising agency. I got, I have a degree in advertising and then, um, ended up working for the YMCA cause I really wanted to work for nonprofit. I did that for three years. The same thing. Yeah. And then, and I was a, I was a, um, aquatic director, but I, I led programs, all the aquatics programs. So then I started working for Dave Ramsey as a project manager. Cause those skills kind of transferred from, from, you know, uh, program management to product management. And then they needed a speaker for this event. I was like, I'll do it. They're like, can you speak? I was like, no, yeah, figure it out, you know? And so then I started speaking and then that turned into the full-time thing, which turned into books and then turned into coaching. I was like, I don't know. I'm really good at coaching people. Maybe I should become a certified business coach and life coach. So I did that. And I just, I think I very much seize opportunities. And so um, I'm a little bit of a commitment phobe in the sense of like, Christy, what's your 10-year plan? I don't have a 10-year plan, honestly. Even with my coaching programs, I was telling my, I lead a mastermind and I was telling them just the other day, even with my coaching programs, I, this last year, I did a year long mastermind and I don't know that I'll do that again. It's been great, 
but I think I want to do things on shorter terms, like three months at a time, because I don't want them to feel locked in, but also I don't know what I'm going to want to be doing. Um, when I was at Ramsey, I was so proud of everything that I built, but at the same time, it became a treadmill. Like it became a treadmill I had to stay on and keep up with and keep up with. And I don't want to get back in that. And so everything I'm doing is very much, here's what I'm doing today. Will I be training speakers the rest of my life? I have no idea, Trip. It's what I'm doing right now. Right now, I'm loving it. Right now, I'm coaching right now. But I just, I don't want to have the pressure to have my whole life figured out. I like I like being open to new things, you know? Yeah, I'm entirely, exactly the same way. I remember growing up, it was, you had to have a 30, 40 year plan. Yeah. Stick, stick to it. and, and What a joke, going. yeah. So you mentioned your your dad was uh you know absent from like eight to fourteen. That's a huge stage in a young girl's life. What exactly was it that happened? Was it issues with at home or what? Yeah, it was just um custody, um, custody yeah. battles. So they they the very short version is my dad took my mom to court to fight for custody for me um for years. And he would ask me, you know, who so so in the in 1990 if you want to get into the weeds on it, but if in 1990 in the state of Tennessee, they determined that an eight-year-old could decide who they wanted to live with. And so at the age of eight, dad took mom to court and took me to court so that I could tell the judge I wanted to live with him, which of course, when I was with him, I told him I wanted to live with him because I was eight and I didn't want to make him mad or hurt his feelings, yeah. but I didn't want to live with him. I wanted to stay with my friends, stay with my mom. And so um, I was eight years old. They pulled me out of school. We went to court one day and um, they took me back in this room and it was, um, a judge and the typewriter person and my mom's attorney, my dad's attorney. And they, you know, the judge asked me like small talk and stuff about school and sports, but I knew why I was there. I knew because mm-hmm. dad had like prepped me. I knew why I was there. And then he said, um, who do you want to live with? And I was just silent because I didn't want to say dad and I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And he said, the judge said, um, Christy, no matter what you say, no one will ever find out. I'm the one making the decision. I'm the bad guy. No one will ever know what you say in this room. You can be completely honest with me. And I said, oh, well, in that case, I definitely want to live with my mom. My dad drinks a lot and, and he makes me feel guilty all the time. And I want to stay with my friends. And I just, I definitely want to live with, live with mom. So I walk out of that room feeling great. I'm going to get to live with mom. I'm not going to hurt dad's feelings. The judge, the bad guy, you know, so on. And so we get in the, um, after I go back to the holding room with all the witnesses and stuff. And then I, we go out in the parking lot and I see dad across the parking lot talking to his attorney. And I told my mom, I was like, Hey, let me go tell dad bye before I go to school. I'm eight years old. Like I'm my son Carter's age. And I went up to him and went to give him a hug. And he just threw me off of him and said, I never want to see you again. Oh my gosh. uh, His attorney had told him everything that, I think that's the first time I've ever got through that story without crying. Um, it's wild. I turned 40 a few weeks ago and it's wild how something so early in childhood could be so pivotal. And I think that um, it has been a lifetime of understanding that wounds effect on my life. It, I'm an Enneagram eight for anybody into the Enneagram. And it's like, you can draw my entire blueprint of my personality back to that. And, and, and not just, I don't want to just say blame it all on that day, it was that day, the years that followed, but also just my mom working really hard to support me. But also, you know, I was alone a lot. I had to figure out how to do things myself at a very early age. And so it was just this sense of like, you're alone in the world. You know, like you you have the only person you can depend on is yourself. And and I think that God has spent years and I would love to say that he's done and he's not like we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, peeling away the layers of the lies of the hardness of the, he, he gave me a visual just yesterday in church, actually trip of scar tissue of like mm. the hardening from that and how he wants to soften places that are hard, how he wants to heal places that are hurt. And and sometimes God's healing, let's just be honest. Sometimes his healing feels like salt in a wound. Sometimes yes. it feels like we're going to tear some things open and it feels cruel and that's where I'm going. Even this year, he's done some things where it's like, I just said the other day, like he's like poking at some stuff. And I'm like, oh, like not that, like, don't not, don't go, you know? And so, um, yeah, just, I, I understand so much of myself in relation to that story. But at the same time, <clears throat> I think that's the very story that God wants to, or continually probably for the rest of my life, heal and redeem and yeah, restore, you know? Yeah. I appreciate you opening up and sharing that. What, what is the, you know, cause we grow through adversity 
And what's the one thing that you think you grew from the most that you still are continuing to see to this day from that experience? Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> so, okay, this isn't a total answer to your question because it, the thing that popped in my head is slightly different, but I'll pull it back to that. <clears throat> so I told a story, this was um, a couple of years ago. So I have three kids. I was an only mm -hmm. child. I always wanted siblings. I wanted a dad. I wanted a big family and I didn't, it was always just me and mom. It was really quiet. Mom worked a lot. And so I remember being the age of like six and seven and being like, I want a big family with kids and all, you know. And so now I have three kids. And first of all, loud, crazy. I got it. Be careful what you wish for. Cause I got it. It's insanity all the time. But I, a, a couple of years ago, I was watching my kids play and they were, it was one of those days where they're just playing really good together and just like sweet. And like, just, they just, just playing so good. And you kind of step back in this like awe of like, how they got here and how just amazing that they are. And they're all playing together, whatever. And I felt this really weird feeling as a grown woman watching my children. I felt jealous. Like I felt jealous that they had that. And I didn't because I wanted that so bad. And so I took that to the Lord, just feeling jealous of like, Oh, I, I don't even know that I was praying. I think maybe he just met me in my, in my sadness. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I wish I'd had that. And God spoke to me so clearly, Trip. He said, but Christy, if you had had that, you wouldn't be you. Exactly. And I need you to be you to do what I'm going to have you do. And it was like, it gave me this sense of purpose, not just for the not having siblings, but also for the situation with my dad and the redemption on the other side of them. I have a great relationship with my dad now. I just saw him two days ago, like the redemption on the other side of it. But God needed God allowed me to go through all that to have the the story the 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 initial childhood story of the no siblings and mom that worked all the time and dad that cut me out of his life when I was eight that backstory was the groundwork for who God wants me to be and the story that he's writing and redeeming and 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 for what he wants me to do and so I, I guess it just gave me this sense of purpose to it God still yeah. needs to heal and redeem and he is but it didn't feel like oh my gosh my life was a mistake I was forgotten. It's like, no, 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 there was God uses works all things together for good. And so I think that, you know, I mean, the, it's a double-edged sword. I'm a fighter and survivor and I'm independent and hard-headed to a fault. Like it's two sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? So it's like, God yeah. has to show me how to rein in those things, but there's also some really beautiful parts of my personality that were forged in that fire because there's, I think that God, uh, now this is where I really will, will cry. I think that God has battles for me like really big battles mm -hmm. that he has chosen me for. Like I can see it. And I'm even in a season of preparation right now that it's like, I they're huge wars that he is training me to fight. And I'm not there yet, but it's like, I know they're going to be big. And I feel like that um, I don't even totally understand them. I think some of them has to do with the special needs community. I think some of it has mm -hmm. to do with politics. Like there's some things I can see like way off in the distance maybe. Yeah. And it's like, he's sharpening me, but it's that, it's that resolve and that fighter in me that is going to be the, how he's going to, you know what I mean? He's going to put it to work. Yeah. It's not going to go to waste. <laughs> Let me say that. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I appreciate you once again, opening up about that because uh, same thing for me. So I lost my father uh, being really transparent. I lost my father uh, right in front of me. I had a heart attack when I was 11 years old. And then my younger sister was murdered when she was 14 and I was 16. So I had like this five-year span where life was just crumbling down. And I looked back and I was very envious of other people's childhoods. I was envious that people had fathers, that they had whole families. And uh, I look at it now today in my 40s and I'm like, I wouldn't be sitting here today if my path had gone any other way. And exactly. You, you are changing people, helping people. You got books on shelves. You're doing all kinds of stuff because of, like you said, what was forged through that fire and what ended up bringing you to Ramsey. I know you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but talk to us about your journey, how you ended up there. It's, it's just, it's just as weird as can be. I literally was burned out at the Y as one gets yeah. burned nonprofit. And I was standing on my deck one day and I was, I don't know if I was thinking or praying kind of the same thing, but I said, God, I just don't feel like I'm ever going to find a company I believe in as much as the YMCA. I love that we change lives. And he said, you're going to work for Dave Ramsey. And I said, who's Dave Ramsey? And I walked over to my computer, which was open on my deck on a table. And I Googled Dave Ramsey and it said based in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, well, great. I don't even have to move. 
And so it's literally just literally God told me I was going to work for Dave, which is why, by the way, for 12 years, my loyalty to that place was so much deeper than a job, a paycheck, insurance, or even Dave or the leadership or his daughter that I'm best friends with. It was, it was way deeper than all that because God called me there and told me to be there. So I was like, I was, I was there forever. So when God called me to leave, I was like, no, 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 you didn't know. You said I'm supposed to be here. So like, it truly took God calling me to leave. I would have left for no other reason other than God himself telling me to leave probably. And what was your idea that you had in mind once you decided to step away from Ramsey? What was that next step for you? Because that's got to be scary. It was terrifying. And God did not tell me what was next. So it was, he just kept telling me about Abraham. Go, I will show you the place you are to go. But you don't find out the place you're to go till you go. It's not like I'm going to show you ahead of time. Then you go. I'm giving you a map, a GPS, a destination. You go. And as you go, I will tell you and show you where to go. And so God called me to leave. I had no idea what I was going into. He did not tell me. He made it very clear. He wasn't going to tell me till I was, till I had left. And so he did tell me to rest for three months. He said, I want you to do nothing for three months. And he just kept emphasizing three months so much so that I really felt like he was going to tell me what else the rest would be over at three months to the day. But I didn't know when it really started because this whole process of leaving was like weeks and weeks and weeks of communication and the right team and, you know, all that rolling it out. So I had no idea when this was going to start. So he just kept saying three months. In fact, he, I was listening to a book that really highlighted the Israelites got to Mount Sinai after being rescued from Egypt. They made it to Mount Sinai at three months to the day when they got the law mm. from Moses three months to the day. And that jumped out to me. It was like, it's going to be three months to the day. I was like, that is crazy. When is it starting? When is it ending? I don't know. So I just rested for, for weeks and weeks, you know, left Ramsey and holidays. Blah, blah. One day in February, it was a random day. It was a Thursday. It was February 24th. I woke up and I'm not kidding you, Trip. I opened my eyes and it was like, I'm going to train speakers. And as I began to think about this idea, this idea took on a life of its own. Like, it was like, I could not run to keep up with the idea fast enough. And it started to make sense of how I have done this for years. I have 10 years of experience. I literally am writing talks for other Ramsey personalities in green rooms that people don't even know about behind the scenes. I've been doing this behind the scenes. I love doing it. I have great content on it. I have a great formula for speaking. I like, it's just coming to life so much so that that night and like affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. So much of that, that night I told my husband about this idea and I go, something shifted today. Like I feel free to go build this thing. I feel free to go like pursue this idea. I don't know. Days go by, days go by more and more affirmations. Like it's one of those things where you're like, it's just glaring in front of my face. Yeah. Everything I see has been pointing to this thing. So I was like, what was that day? So I go look at the calendar Thursday, February 24th. I go back three months to the day was Wednesday, November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving, the day that I emailed Dave Ramsey telling him I needed to meet with him. It was the day I obeyed to tell oh. him I needed to leave. So I had been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, the day that I sent the email and hit send, the most terrifying email I've ever sent in my life because I knew it was pushing over that domino. There was no turning back. It was going to send mm -hmm. off all the alarms of why is Christy want to meet with Dave because that wasn't normal. The day I obeyed, three months to the day, he gave me my idea. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. That is, it almost gives you goosebumps hearing that. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you mentioned your husband. How supportive was your husband when you were like, hey, you know what? I'm probably going to walk away from Ramsey and I, I don't really know what I'm going to do yet. Yeah, it's so interesting in my marriage because he, um, my husband does not hear from God like I hear from God. Yeah. But he'll have this like agreement in his spirit. So he's not like, oh, God said, God, you know, it's not like that yeah. with him, but he'll know in his spirit. And so when we were um, talking about it, and also I move really fast. I think fast. I move fast. I make decisions fast. So he's always like, can we just think about this for a second? You know? And so I got there pretty quickly because God was affirming it so much. And it was, it was all happening to me. So in his defense, it wasn't all happening to him. So it felt like out of thin air. Well, one night, I think this was when I'd come home from Florida that week, it was this Wednesday that I'd emailed Dave that night. I talked to him and I just remember, I'll never forget what he said. He said, when I was like, I, I have to do it now. Cause I was thinking it was like way off when he I first was getting this idea to leave. And then it was like, oh no, it's sooner. Oh no, it's now. Oh crap. You know, um, he said, I think you're right. And I'm pretty mad at God about it. And so for Matt, the biggest, I don't know, this is my perspective. I don't know if he would say this, but I think the biggest challenge in Matt's faith walk and with his relationship with the Lord 
is that Matt is an Enneagram five. He likes security, 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 security. He wants security in our finances, security in our plans, security. And this was the riskiest thing we've ever done. I mean, it was walking away from everything. So it's like, but what's so cool is Matt has, he, he knows his spirit, like the Holy spirit in him is in agreement. And so he know he doesn't take it. He never takes anything out on me. If something is from the Lord, he knows it's from the Lord. And so he takes his frustration or fear or whatever to God, because it's between him and God. It's not actually yeah. at me. And so I'm so thankful for that, that, that God will put it in his spirit, even if he doesn't speak to him in the same way, where we both know in our spirit, this is what we're supposed to do. And then we can both take it to God in the way that, you know, work that, that makes sense for our relationship with the Lord. That's awesome to hear. And that is super, super important, especially to have someone supportive with such a uh, drastic change as that. Yeah. And, and I don't, we, we have a, we have kind of a rule in our marriage. No, we do. We have a rule in our marriage. We don't make decisions until the other person's on board. So we'll just wait on whatever it is, big or small. That's good. We just wait until we're both on board because we just don't want to harbor resentment. We, we don't, it's not like we're going to go do something and not, it, it affects the other person. That's very disrespectful. So we just, Smart. it takes longer and it can be like, Oh, so frustrating sometimes when you're the one that wants to make a decision, you know? But um, we just, we wait until the other person's on board. So we always make decisions together, which I really love that. Compromise is one of the healthiest things that often goes overlooked. So absolutely. And you mentioned, I'm I'm excited to talk to you about this, the public speaking piece. So I used to have a crippling fear of public speaking to where when I do, you're not alone. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've said it on here before. I love the Jerry Seinfeld piece where he said, uh, more people would rather be in the casket than reading the eulogy. Yeah. And yeah. I almost turned down a job as an instructor because I couldn't talk in front of people. But then it got to where our, our course that we taught at actually teaches people how to be proficient public speakers. So why do you think there is such a fear of public speaking? There? Well, I mean, we, we all have this. Um, we all have insecurity. And when you're in the spotlight or behind the microphone, it's all on display. Like, it's just, it's just you, it's just your voice in a microphone. And you're so worried about what other people think of you. And do I have pit stains? And is there spinach in my teeth? And what if I don't say something right? And it's just that that attention is just crippling at times, especially if you don't know how to handle it, if you've never been trained on how to handle it. But I, I will tell you this. So here's, here's what I have. Here's what I have found in my, I don't know year and a half of doing this on purpose. I've did it. I've done it for 12 years behind the scenes for fun, but here's mm-hmm. what I, on purpose. People think they need confidence in speaking. And I think that that is true. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. negating. I think they do need confidence in speaking and you can build confidence like a muscle that you strengthen over, you know, with exercise and practice and, and so on. However, I think for most people, the issue is not confidence. I think the issue is content. And what I mean by that is they don't actually know what they're getting up there to say. Yes. And if you can help someone get crystal clear on what they're going to say, what is the one main idea and how are we going to set up that idea and how we're going to unpack that idea and how we're going to apply that idea and how we're going to put stories to that idea. When you give someone a template and a formula for speaking and you, you force them to get crystal clear on what they're going to say on their content, well, their confidence shoots through the roof. Because they know what they're mm-hmm. going to say. But if you put me behind a microphone, I didn't know what I was going to say. I'd be scared too. So much of it is the disorganization and confusion and scatteredness of the content. And when yeah. you help people with their content, well, then you can practice the reps and the delivery and all that. But the instantly with just the content clarity alone, your um your confidence goes through. In fact, I just, it's funny you say this. So, you know, as a, as a business leader, I'm always creating resources out of need. So, you know, we, we pay attention to what do people say? What do people ask? Mm-hmm. What, what are they talking about? People have been asked about this so much. I just created literally like last Thursday. <laughs> this is how this is content clarity starter kit. Like it's a free download content clarity starter kit. It's for the specific purpose of helping people get clear on their content. And their it, business. it launches really soon, right? Oh, it's already out. You can get it. Oh, it's already out. Okay. I have a course coming up, but the, but the download, that's what just it is. Worksheets that you walk through to get clear on your content that's available now. And it's, but it, but it came out of people asking me, well, how do you organize your content? How do you organize your content for a reel? How do you organize your content for your landing page? How do you organize your content for a podcast episode? How do you organize? It's like, how do you know what you're going to say? 
how you're going to say it, where you're going to say it in the order you're going to say it. It's like, if you give people a formula for that, and it is like a formula, like here's what, what you should be talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, then their confidence. They're like, oh yeah, give me that mic. Give me that mic. I'm ready now. You know, it's, yeah. it's not near as scary when you know what you're going to say. Quick little outline of then, like you said, it has to be something that you're familiar with. I think the worst thing is when you're asked or thrust up on stage and you have to speak about something you have no familiarity with whatsoever. That is to me still, even with years and years of experience, that is scary. So very, very good advice there. Now I want to talk to a little bit about what you've been doing and and kind of get into the books that you've got. You've got some phenomenal books out there. Like I said, I was in uh, when, when I first saw one of yours, I was walking through uh, Barnes and Nobles and it was sitting right there. So let me ask you. So with your books, someone's walking through the business section, personal development. Uh, they see your book there. Why should they grab your books versus all other books out there, especially ones like, you know, take back your time. We use that one, for example. I I mean, I don't I don't know that they necessarily should. I, I think it's I think it really comes down to you know, and this is, I, I train people in business. I am a business coach and, and, you know, so one of the top questions I was asked, so this is right around when I wrote business boutique, for example, I was on book tour and I was doing mm-hmm. book signings at bookstores. And so we'd have 200 people come to a book signing and sign all their books and then do a, a talk or whatever, like a quick 20 minute talk. So they'd always sit in there in the bookstore and I do Q and a with them. And many of them would say, well, what, what do I do if someone's already doing the thing I want to do? What, what do I do if, if I want to start this type of business and that business already exists? Mm. And I would say, this was my response to them, which is actually an answer to your question. Look around this bookstore. How many books are there? Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions with their back, back you know, inventory. Mm-hmm. And yet you're sitting here holding mine. I'm not the best author. I've not been around the longest. It's not the best book. But I believe that God has given me a unique story and style and voice and personality and content that connects with a specific group of people. And so there's people that need to hear what I have to say that I'm going to connect with that no one else could connect with. So I'm going to show up or sit down at my computer and write it because it's going to help people in a way that no one else can. The same is true for you and your business. There are people that need to have what you have. There's room for you in the marketplace too. And so it's not so much about how can I elbow my way to the top and be better than someone else. It's just like, no, no, no. I think if you are yourself and I am, I am authentically myself. If you are yourself, you're going to attract people that need you, that like you, that are like you, that want what you have to offer or connect with your style or your sense of humor. You know, I, um, I'll give you a great example. I had, this is years ago. This is so long ago. I had a, um, some online publication reach out to Ramsey and want me to do an article for their online, whatever resource, whatever it was. I can't remember what it was like an online uh, magazine or newspaper or something. They wanted me to do an article, thousand word article. And so after all the back and forth of like what the topic was, whatever, I submitted the article and they wrote back, they wrote back. I'm surprised she is so lighthearted and playful and careless and so conversational. We need a more academic voice. We need a more, and I wrote back, I said, this is who I am. Who did you think yeah. you were getting? Go get a professor because I am who I am. I'm not like, I'm not going to try to be someone that I'm not, but when I am who I am, what's so beautiful is business is more fun. You're showing yeah. up more authentic. People feel it. And you draw in people that know, like, and trust you. And so I don't think my book's the best. I just think it's just the right book for people that connect with someone like me that wants complicated business principles boiled down into really simple strategies in a fun, conversational, relatable voice. That's just a normal person like them. And so, but it's such a great reminder for all of us in business and leadership. Like you offer something on your podcast that no one else offers that people connect with you in the way that you are in your style and your voice. And so it just gives us permission to be ourselves and takes the pressure off of trying to be someone that we're not. And I think, I think that that can go a long way in the business world. Yeah, good good for you for sticking with your guns, staying true to who you are. How cool was that to to be, you know, to be able to say, ah, I'm a number one best-selling author. I have books out there that are helping inspire and motivate people. Um, you know what? This is a weird, this is a weird thing, but like when I was younger, before I got married, I yeah. thought, I'll feel so different when I'm married, you know. Or I'll like, I'll be like a different person when I have kids. Like when I'm a mom, I'm not like me anymore. Like a mom, like, like a totally different person, like a mom. Or you think like before you have sex, like, oh, I'm going to be a totally different person when I have sex. Or if I make this amount of money, I'll be a totally, it's like, no, you're just you as a mom, as a 
as a married person, as a person that's had sex or a person that made a certain amount of money, you're just, you're just still used. So it's like, I don't feel any different. I honestly don't ever think about it. Um, I've thought about it even less since leaving Ramsey. In fact, when I go somewhere and it's a, either a book signing or uh, like an event, they have a table of my books. I kind of forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot I do this. <laughs> like, it's almost like I felt even more disconnected. Taking from a picture me. of it. Wow, this I'm is kind of cool making peanut butter jellies all day with my kids and scream at me that I cut their sandwich wrong. It's kind of nice to like, remember I did that. Um, so I don't, I don't think about it. I, what, what I do think about though, what I do think about all the time, and this is, this sounds like I'm trying to give like some like, you know, Miss America answer, but it's not that it's just my genuine heart. I do really think about helping people. And mm -hmm. so when I talk about my books, my conviction of how they help people is, is so deep. Like yeah. I know that the steps I give people and take back your time help them feel less guilty and manage their time and have more life balance. I know that the um, content I wrote, the the four different sections of living true um, 40 days to get back to you. I know that helps people reconnect with God and reconnect with themselves. And because I feel like everything that I write is God inspired. I feel like it's all the, I, all of my ideas are all my good ideas, at least are his ideas. So I know people need it. So I talk about it with such conviction, but it's not so much about like, I do have things I want to accomplish. Like I would love to hit the New York times, you know, I've never hit that. Yeah. I would love to hit the New York times, but I know that when I hit the New York times, I'm not going to feel any different. It's more yeah. just like you have this, it's almost like this, um, really temporary high of like, I did that thing that I'd always wanted to do. Like, I remember when I ran a full marathon and I could put that 26.2 sticker on the back of my car. Like that felt really cool yeah. for a minute. Like I did that thing that I'd always wanted to do for a minute. And I haven't then had that on. in my car in a million years and I don't talk about it ever. And so it's like, it doesn't affect my day to day, but it is, there are things we want to do that feel cool for a minute. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You know. So sticking with the, the time management piece question for you here, how do you suggest that individuals find a balance between their personal lives and the demands of business? I mean, you mentioned cutting sandwiches, uh, getting script, being a mom, being a wife. Uh, but then you also have that business side of you as well. How do yeah. you find that balance? Well, I, I, for me, I, I really set out to redefine it in my book. And so I think that most people have this idea that life balance is doing everything for an equal amount of time. Every day is going to have like time with my kids, time with God, working out, you know, time yeah. in my business, like cleaning the house that every day is going to be this even split. And that's what balance is. And it's just not true. It's not even desirable. It, that is not realistic or even desirable. Mm -hmm. Or they think life balance is a 50, 50 split, 50% of your time at, with home, 50% of your time in business. That's not realistic or desirable either. So what I set out to do and take back your time, and this has really been my message for way before that book was written and will be well after it was published is life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And so what that looks like is you give yourself permission to constantly ask yourself what's right right now. We just come out of summer. We're going into a new season, going into fall. What was right for me in July is not right for me in September. In July, I was going on picnics. I was not working hardly at all. I never wore makeup. I wasn't traveling. I was just playing with my kids. That was what was right in the summer. They were off school. That's what I wanted to do. I set out to have a great summer and I did. September, I'm traveling. I've got launches. I've got a new course coming up. I'm doing podcasts. What's right right now? And what's so beautiful about this question is, it gives you permission to constantly reassess what is right at any given moment, knowing that what's right changes it. Our goals and priorities are not a set it and forget it thing. You set it in January and never revisit it again. Your seasons look different. Things will happen that shift your priorities. Your weeks look different. Your days can look different. And so if you give yourself, if you train yourself to ask yourself this question, what's right right now, here's what's awesome. It helps you focus, identify and focus on what's right right now. Like what's right right now is this interview. What's right right now this week is, is X, Y, Z. But it also helps you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. So yeah. when I was launching the book, Take Back Your Time, the top two priorities for me during that season were launching the book and seeing my family when I wasn't on the road. I had two priorities. Sometimes in a, in a lighter season, I might have three to five. In that season, I had two, two very demanding things. So when I walk through my house, and my house is a mess. I don't beat myself up. I go, girl, that's not right right now. Step over those toys. I'll be right in another season. It's not right right now. What's right right now is the book. I didn't see my friends. I didn't work out. I didn't beat myself up for those things. They weren't right right then. 
And then when I got through book launch, I saw my friends, I got back to working out. So it just gives yourself, it gives you permission to focus on what's right right now and shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now, knowing that you have permission to change your mind about what's right right now at any given moment. Yeah. And it's the plate analogy with spinning the plates, spinning the plates where we like to have eight different plates spinning all at the same time, like that, that halftime show guy. But in reality, we need to have those two. That are really, really well, and what's what's interesting is I use that example in the book. So we've yep. got all these analogies of spinning plates, juggling balls, some ball, balls are rubber, some are glass. Which ones can you let drop on a Tuesday? And yeah. what's funny is even those analogies look like a freaking circus. Like no wonder we're exhausted yeah. and anxious because it's a circus. So the visual, if 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 we want a visual, here's the visual I would offer. Okay. Instead of juggling balls or spinning plates or whatever, don't juggle at all. Just say, here's my rack of let's say weights if you're a weightlifter. Here's my rack of weights kettlebell, whatever. Here's my rack. Yeah. I'm going to pick these two up in this season. I'm going to hold them. I can yeah. hold things. I'm not going to drop them. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not anxious when I'm holding things. I'm going to hold what I can hold. I can hold two or I can hold three or four. And the other ones I'm going to sit down. I don't want things flying all the time. That's anxious. I'm exhausted. My kids are crazy enough. I don't need any more crazy in my life. Just pick what is right right now. Pick your priorities, pick them up and hold on to them in that season or that week or that day and set the others down and go, I'm not abandoning you. I don't need to keep you flying in the air to make you feel seen. It's just, I'll get to that in the next season or in the next week or the next day. And um, I just think that it's, there's so much pressure culturally to keep them all going all the time yes. and it's not realistic and it's making us anxious trying. And so, so pick what's right right now and do that and, and shake the guilt for the things that are not right right now, just because they're not right right now. doesn't mean they'll never be right again. They're just not right right now. Yeah, we tend to look to our right and left and compare ourselves to what others are oh, doing. We're like, they're so busy. They're doing so many other things. And that social comparison piece. You mentioned goals uh, and you're, you're doing some great things in terms of uh, folks head over to christywright.com. I mean, just as she mentioned about the uh, content creator doing some really good stuff. I mean, it, it's very well put together website, kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of what you're doing. But you mentioned goals just a moment ago. How do you help individuals overcome any sort of challenges and self-doubt when trying to pursue entrepreneurial goals? Well, I think, you know, let's go back to what you just said about comparison. Yeah. The most, I would say one of the most important starting points for goals is what do you want? And that sounds like such a simple question and it is so difficult to answer. If you really spend some time journaling, if you really spend some time in prayer, if you really spend some time going, what do you want? And why do you want it? Do you yeah. want it because it's going to lead to the vision of your life or the the future that you want for yourself? Or do you want it because your neighbor's doing it? Or you want it because everyone on social media says you should want it? Or do you want it because you used to want it? You thought you'd still want it. Like digging into what you really want because you're, the whole point of your business excuse me, the whole point of your business is to serve the marketplace and build the life that you want. If you just want a job, go get a job anywhere. Because if you build your business around something you don't want, then you just have a job you don't like. You get a job you don't like anywhere with a lot less headache and a lot more security. Go into business for yourself to do what you want. And that means that you build the business how you want. You make decisions that you want. So like this summer, I didn't do hardly anything this summer because I wanted to be with my kids. And did I leave money on the table? Sure. Did I get behind on work? Yep. And I made the choice because I wanted to be with my kids and let some of that, again, sit those balls down. Um, I had a, a woman ask me, she ran a coffee shop. This was years ago in a coaching session. She said, should I collect tips at the checkout of my coffee shop? And I said, do you want to? Sometimes that's the answer. Do you want to? Mm -hmm. You can or not. There, there are some things that are um, best practices in business that are right and wrong, you know, true and false, that type of thing. But a lot of it is what do you want? And there are many different paths, even to the destination that you want. You could, you could scale your business an infinite amount of ways. So it's like, well, should I do it open cart or closed cart? Should I scale it with employees or contract employees or part-time or full-time? Should I, should I scale it by just charging? What? There's so many different ways. And I think what's really important for people as they're setting goals and their entrepreneurial journey. And this goes back to actually what we talked about a minute ago, but don't mm. just think about what do you want right now? Try to predict what you're going to want in six months or a year. So I know that if I want to be coaching in a year, I want to be coaching because I'm still on this three month term, not because I'm having to uphold something I set a year ago. So what do you, not just what do you want now? What do you want to maintain? If you want to start a podcast, 
Maybe you start it in seasons, not just this never ending, you know, thing, just giving yourself the freedom to change your mind and change your plans. And again, setting goals that are something you want to maintain that creates something that you really love to do. If you love to travel, then great. Put yourself out out there as a speaker, get booked. If you don't like being away from your kids, don't, don't promote traveling and speaking or do virtual. You just, your goals need to create the life you want. And I think sometimes we miss that because we're so busy doing what we think we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Smart. That's, that's really good advice too. You mentioned the woman at the coffee shop, what between the book signings and that, what are some of like success stories? What's that one story that stands out most to you to where you have helped plant the seeds for somebody else? Um, I'll tell you the one that comes to mind quick is um, Patricia Calacani. And she was an Academy member, which was my coaching group back at Ramsey through Business Boutique. And she was a video editor. So she she had a video production company, like Emmy award winning, like really successful video production company. But she was maxed out. And she was too expensive for a lot of people that wanted her services. And so I coached her through creating a course that would be lower cost for people that couldn't afford her services, but would scale where they could do the video themselves and they could set the whole thing up. So she creates this course and it was that course that sent her business to a seven figure business because it was so scalable. It was no longer one-to-one. It just blew up. And so I think helping people identify other streams of revenue to serve markets they're no they're not serving currently that are yeah. gaps in their funnel, um, and and that may be the thing that actually becomes the main thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And let's talk about your podcast. Uh, talk to us about you know get your hopes up podcast and just how easy everybody thinks it's so easy to podcast, <laughs> but tell to our listeners where they can find you and all about it. Well, it's so funny you say that because actually that has to, my current podcast is a product of me asking myself the question, what do I want? And what does my audience want? Because when I was at Ramsey. You um, had one with Ramsey, right? Yeah. It was first business mm-hmm. boutique for a few years and then it yep. changed the Christy Wright show. So it did more than we covered more than just business, but it always was on video. After the first couple of years, it was always on video. It was always a big production. So a team and multiple cameras and lighting and hair and makeup and outfits and all that. It was a big production and a set, all that which made it beautiful, but there's a whole side to that of like, you got to get up for all that. Right. Um, so it was always on video with a big production team. It always had multiple segments. So I would have a teaching segment. I would have a guest segment and a third segment. And it was something with algorithms. They always wanted multiple segments. Um, and oh, and it was, it was planned way in advance, like eight weeks in advance. I would have to like plan out all the content. Okay. So all that's the backstory. Okay. So I feel led, I didn't, I, when I got off the podcast treadmill, I was like, I'm not start. I'm not doing a podcast for a long time. And about a, I don't know, six months into, after leaving Ramsey, I felt led to create a faith-based podcast. But mm-hmm. the idea of it was, it was just me. It was short, like that someone could listen to on a commute to work. You're about 30 like, minutes. Mm-hmm, like tw- even shorter, they're like 20 to 25 yeah. minutes. Um, and it's just me. And, um, that I could go in and batch this content. So I'll, like, I'll go in tomorrow and I'll record like four episodes and that'll be a month worth. And there's yep. no scheduling with guests. There's no like guests cancel. I mean, you know, if you have guests, like the guests cancel and then you're Toughest like, who played in? And then all the multiple segments and all the editing each, and it's not on video. We do video it on a phone just to show behind the scenes. And I think we may, I really would like to add video, like a low level production at some point to get on YouTube and social. But um, I just basically created something I wanted to maintain. But what's interesting is, of all the surveys we ever did at Ramsey, the segment that everybody wanted was just me teaching. The the listeners mm-hmm. would drop off during the interviews. It would drop off during the other set call-ins or whatever we, you know, the other segments we'd come up with. And so I was like, that's what they've always wanted. That's what's easy for me to maintain in this season. So let's just start with that. And we may add a, a guest in the future. I love the idea of that because I have so many friends I'd love to have on. But right now it's just in this season of life, it's easy to maintain. And that's what I need, you know? Yeah. But it's all about God. It's all about getting your hopes up in God. It's called get your hopes up and it comes out every Monday. It's all about, it's just faith encouragement every Monday. Yeah. And where can they find it at? All podcast platforms? Yeah. Apple, Spotify, all of you. Get your hopes up. Well, obviously we're going to have the link description or the link in our episode description for this episode as well. And uh, one of the final questions that I have for you here, where, what do you want your legacy to be when your grandchildren are talking about you 40, 50 years from now. What do you want them to say when they mention your name? You know, I'm reading a book right now called um, Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. And it's, it's a, a good really, book. 
really good book. He talks yes. about legacy and he talks about the ripple effect and the second and third generation. And I'll be honest, I have not been thinking like that until this book. And now as I think about these battles, I told you, I feel like called into mm-hmm. specifically with being an advocate and creating change in the special needs community. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with, I don't want to go into politics, but I do think I spoke out some on social media around the covenant shooting. And I feel Mm. like, is there something there of me being a voice for the middle where it's like, you've got these two extremes that are screaming at each other. And I'm just like a mom in the middle going, Hey, I'm a gun owner. Also, can we stop this insanity? Cause I want to protect our kids. Like, it's like trying to be a voice in them. And I don't even know what that looks like, but I feel like that maybe there's something of God calling me just to be an advocate and just to be a voice of common sense in the middle. Um, so anyway, all that to say is I feel like that um, I, I'm now looking at those two specific battles as going, what is God going to create in me or lead through me that actually is going to have an impact in the second and third generation, that there would be charter schools all over the country for special needs kids that are totally free, um, that they have the kind of education my son gets that is very expensive for people that yeah. can't afford it because of something I create. I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what that looks like, but I am, I think it's just that like, that I was willing to, to plant seeds today, knowing I may never see the fruit in my lifetime, but my grandkids would, that would be really cool. I heard that from someone that I was actually on their podcast and they said, you know, we often plant the seeds, but the greatest reward is never seeing the tree fully grow. Mm-hmm. and never seeing who actually sits under the shade. So okay. phenomenal stuff there. What final comments do you have for our listeners? Oh, I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. I mean, I think that the, your listeners, if they're listening to a podcast, they're interested in personal growth, they're probably doing better than they think they are already. So just mm-hmm. one foot in front of those baby steps make a big difference. I know we want the big grand, a lot of entrepreneurs are like this. We just want the big impressive steps. It's like sometimes it's the day-to-day grind that gets us there, you know? Yeah, well- I can't thank you enough. And if you like what we're doing out there, if you're listening to this, please head over to Spotify, Apple, or the shadowspodcast.com. You can leave us a review, preferably a five-star review if you really like what we're doing. I also encourage all of you, don't just leave a review and say, great show, loved it. Actually tell us which episode really resonated with you and stood out to you the most. That really helps us. Uh, it's, it's very beneficial too, to reach back to these guests such as Chrissy and be like, Hey, this episode really impacted such and such. Uh, so please, we encourage you to go do that. And as always, we'll see you next week with another episode of the shadows podcast.